Happy Easter. How are you guys doing? Man, packed house. If you have room next to you, if you guys can actually move in a little bit towards the middle, that would be a huge help. You don't have to do it, but if you can help us, we got more people coming in from the back, so thank you so much. Hey, I want to welcome all of you guys to LifePoint Fellowship Church. My name is Alex Velarde. I'm one of the pastors here. And as, uh, as we get started today, <clears throat> I just kind of want to set the tone for, for all of us. Um, I, my prayer today is to um, inspire you a little bit and to challenge you, okay? So that's what I've been praying for as I was kind of thinking about the message, man. Lord, I want to inspire our people. I want to challenge them. I want, I want you to leave this place feeling like, man, that was good. That was like, uh, that added value to me. Of course, today <clears throat> we're celebrating something that makes Christianity different from any other religion. Think about it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the one thing that sets us apart from any other faith, from any other belief system out there. It's the one thing that you can, I mean, like, you can look at other faiths, other belief systems, and you look at their leaders, and no matter what, how influential they may have been, how good they have been for, for humanity, no, no matter how good their teaching may have been, the one common denominator is that they're all, they've all passed away. And the one thing that sets us a little bit different apart, that makes us a little bit different today, is the fact that Jesus is alive. And to, to, for, those, for those of us who are Jesus followers, that's a big deal. Today, nearly, or actually a little bit over 2 billion people will gather and will worship Jesus, will worship his name, and will worship, um, will celebrate Easter. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke 23. Uh, Luke 23, whether you have your Bibles or your phones, if you brought a tablet with you, that's fine. Um, Luke chapter 23, I want to really encourage you to follow along. If by any chance you don't have a Bible, um, download the version app. Have you ever, have you ever come in, um, in contact with the version app? It's a free app. It has a lot of different translations, devotionals, and so I really want to encourage you. One of the things that we say here at LifePoint is nothing will get you further, faster, spiritually speaking. Like, you're in church for a reason. I really believe, man, and I, I want to applaud you for that. Like, I'm, I want to be your spiritual, spiritual cheerleader. But the truth is, nothing will get you further, faster, spiritually speaking, than God's Word. And so make sure you have your own copy of God's Word. If you like, oh, man, I forgot the, my Bible or whatever, don't worry. Most verses will be on the screen, uh, but we do want to make sure that you have a copy. One of our core values, if you're trying to, if you're, maybe you're new, you're just stepping into to life point, you don't know much about us. One of our core values is we want to point people to Jesus and His Word. So when you check your kids in this morning, that's what they're doing. We're going to kind of major on the majors, minor on the minors. We want to keep it simple. Point people to Jesus, point people to his, his word. You bring your students to uh, our youth rallies, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a blast. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna, to you know, just have a good time. But at the end of the day, our goal, our number one core value is to point people to Jesus and his Word. Okay, so title of the message today, Grace on the Cross. 
grace on the cross. And what I want to do is I want to set the scene for you, okay? And I'm going to get a little bit graphic. I hope that's okay with you, okay? But I, I really think that in order for us to, for you to, to bring you onto this passage that we're going to look at, Luke, of course, is a, uh, he's going to give us an eyewitness account. What the passage that we're going to read in just a moment, it's not a story that he heard from someone and they heard it from someone else and then it just kind of you know just transferred from one family to the next no no this is this is someone who's radically transformed and he's sharing with us he's sharing this story and so what i want to do before we read the passage is i want to set the scene for you the right way okay so we're in luke 23 verse 30 Two. That's where we're going to be, okay? I'll get there in just a second. So let me set it for you. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He has been betrayed by one of his own. Can you, have you ever been betrayed by like somebody that's close to you? That's hurtful, right? That's like it takes years to recover from that. He has been betrayed by one of his own disciples. Last week we talked a little bit about this. Jesus chose Judas. Like he was one of his 12 disciples. And it was for 30 pieces of silver, which is the equivalent to about $950. Not a whole lot. Betrayed him for $950. He is, he has been through the agony because he knows what's coming down the pipe so he's been through the agony of what we read in the bible about the garden of gethsemane the bible says that he was sweating blood and you're like sweating blood how is that even possible it's actually a medical condition and i don't know if i'm even pronouncing the word right but it's it's a it's a rare condition called hematidrosis okay and i may be getting that that wrong i'm not a doctor and so this is a condition that when you're highly stressed out tiny blood capillaries in your sweat glands they rupture and they flow through your skin and so he's literally he's coming from the garden of gethsemane literally sweating blood he's not one of his own teammates betrays him he knows what's to come he knows what's ahead he's sweating blood he's arrested the bible says that he's struck on the face multiple times after he's arrested okay the people that he came to save spat in his face i can't think of something more humiliating than that than somebody going <laughs> nasty right okay so i, I want to the reason why i'm giving you meticulous details is so that you understand the power of the words that we're about to read. They spat on his face. They slapped him. They blindfolded him. They cursed him. They, they uh, said that they accused him of blasphemy. Then the Jews turned him over to the Romans because the Jews had this rule that they could not crucify him. Their intention was to kill him, but they couldn't do it because it was the Passover. They turned him over to the Romans. They could do it. And the Romans flogged him with a whip. They drove a, a crown of thorns down into his scalp. They took this stick and beat him over the head. They took the same stick and they basically 
pretend they mocked him they pretended that he was a king and they knelt before him and they basically worshiped him as if he was the king of the jews okay that's the romans then they stripped him naked and the flogging alone would have done any of us okay that would have been enough for any of us they if you study how they did this basically at the end that that um that whip had some leather cords and at the end of that those leather cords they attached some metal pieces they attached some uh, uh pieces of bones broken bones and and the goal was to that when you would strike the person those pieces of metal that those bones would dig into your skin now the damage would not occur until you would pull that whip once you pulled it, it would tear the skin apart and it would open it up, okay? And so every time that he was struck, that's what was going on. And after having been brutally abused and tortured, they're leading him to a cross and he's carrying on his shoulders a 70-pound crossbar I don't know how like like how he did that like 70 pound crossbar on his shoulder on his way to the cross with that in mind listen to the scripture Luke 23 verse 32 it says two other men both help me out with that word I don't know if you can see it two other men both what say it with enthusiasm both what criminals were also led out with Jesus to be executed. They're going to be executed on a Roman cross, okay? The crucifixion was the most agonizing, most painful form of death that they could come up with. Actually, it was the Persians who invented it. The Romans perfected it. It was an art for them. They wanted to to provide the most excruciating pain that anybody could provide. That's, and so they, and I'll, I'll explain a few of those things here in, in a minute. The Romans actually reserved the cross for the lower classes, for slaves, for foreigners. Like they would not crucify, it was such a bad death, they would not crucify a Roman citizen, okay? It was designed to be a very slow death, People would not die from being nailed to a cross. Actually, they would die from not being able to breathe. So it wasn't the nails on the cross that killed them. It was just not being able to breathe. This was, if it was to be done in our world today, it would be done in, the, in front of the biggest crowds. So they did it openly, publicly, uh, busy intersection at a mall at a place where there's a big crowd and the death sometimes would take days okay it wasn't like a quick couple of hours and they would die no it would take days and those people literally would wilt under the heat of the sun people in that culture threw stones at those criminals that were on the crosses as they were traveling they would pick up stones and part of the custom of the day because these were the worst of the worst no not anybody would just be crucified okay so this was they saved the, the crucifixion for rapists 
um, like thieves, like people, like the, the lowest of the lowest of humanity. And so part of that culture is they deserve a just punishment, right? If you rape my, my five-year-old, my, my seven-year-old, like I don't, like you deserve the worst that we can come up with. And so they would pick up stones and they would throw them at those people being crucified. Verse 33, when they came to the place called the skull, there's a reason why it's called the skull, Golgotha, right? When they came to a, the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. The reason why it was called the skull is their goal was to prolong the agony of death as much as they could. So here's what they would do. They would, the Romans found a way to, to put a seat or a ledge under the criminal so that they would be tempted to rest on it, so that they would be tempted to just lean on it for just a few minutes. And remember, it was not the nails that killed them. It was not being able to breathe. And so the Romans wanted to prolong the agony of death. And so they said, you know what? We're going to put a small ledge or a small seat under them. And they, that way the criminals would be tempted to just lean on that. But death was imminent. It was just prolong it. The custom of the day, like they would never crucify women. But if rarely, if they ever did, they would have them face towards the cross. Because the agony of a woman being crucified was too much to handle. And so they wouldn't just put them in a, just a normal way like the rest of the criminals. And the reason why I tell you this is because there's plenty of historical evidence to what we're talking about. Luke was a doctor, so he gives us a ton of detail. This is not just some fable, some story you know, that Hollywood come up, came up with. This is, there's plenty of evidence Verse 39, one of the criminals, watch this, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? He says, save yourself and save us. Aren't you the king of kings? Are you not like the Lord of lords? Did you not come to bring in a new kingdom? Right? Because this was prophesied for years. And so they were, they were thinking Jesus is going to set us free. You're, you're the one that's going to give us life. You know, we're going we're gonna to bring in a new kingdom. And so one of the criminals, and I, I was thinking about this, like this is, this is crazy, you know, how, um, how far you need to be to... to like this guy, not even the cross broke him. And he's questioning Jesus. He's basically saying, if you are God in the flesh, get yourself off the cross. I mean, if you say you prove it to us. And this guy like just, I mean, he's mocking Jesus. And so what I want to do for the next 14 minutes is I want to, I want to give you two thoughts. We're going to keep it short today. Two thoughts as I read this passage. The first one is this. How... It amazes me how close you can be to hope and miss it. I want you to think about those words. How close you can be to hope. Some of you came today, you're looking for a little bit of hope. Man, there's a lot of junk going on in your life. There's a lot of struggles that you're dealing with. And you're like, if I could just have a little hope, man. I just, I want to leave this place feeling hopeful. I, I get it. I, I understand. Stress of life. Get it. 100%. I'm in. I'm with you. 
It, it, it amazes me. It blows me away how close we can be to hope and yet miss it. This guy, this thief, he was right there, inches from the creator. He was just a few, what, meters, a few feet away from the commander of the universe, from the, the king of kings, from the giver of life, and he missed it. He missed his chance. It reminds me of the story of the, the, the shoe salesman that's sent to a remote part of Africa, and um, he gets there, he spends a couple of weeks there, and he says, he writes his company, and he says, you guys got to bring me back. Bring me back. Nobody wears shoes here in this town. Like, nobody wears shoes. I can't sell a shoe for anything. Bring me back. So his company brought him back, sent a, a replacement. Guy goes out. Two weeks later, he's writing a letter to the same company, and he's saying, hey, listen, send me every shoe that you have. Everything you have in stock, send it to me. Nobody wears shoes in this town. And it's, it reminds me of how life is a matter of perspective, right? And my point today is this. My, my point is that sometimes we miss the opportunities that God places right in front of us. We miss them. This guy was right there next to the Savior, and he missed his opportunity. And I hope as I... You know, Easter is big, big day for a lot of churches, lots of guests, and I don't know where you are. Some of you are here because of tradition. Some of them, you came, you, and you're like, it's Easter, we got to do this. Some of you, you're like, you're not, you know, you're a little bit checked out, you're like, I don't even know if I believe. I have questions, and it's, it's cool. You don't have to believe what we believe in order for us to love you. Um, but I, I, I do want to make sure that I say something that's as clear as I can say it, and I, I don't want you to miss it. Jesus did not come for religion. And if you, if you think that you can come to this church or any church, and that's what's going to get you in, if, you know, religion does not save you. Being a member of this church, we don't call them members, we call them owners. You know, you're an owner, a life one. That doesn't save you. If you, man, you can be like, man, you can be the, the greatest human alive. That doesn't save you. Like you're good versus you're bad. Man, I just want to, when I get hit the end of my life, I want my good things to outweigh my bad things. That does not save you. You can sell all of your possessions, your house, your car. You can, you know, give all of your money to charity, give all your money to LifePoint. That does not save you. And so I want to be, I want to make sure that I'm as, as clear as I can be so you don't miss the point today. God says the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. In other words, the payment for my sin. We're not, nobody's perfect in here in this room, right? That's what we say. No perfect people allowed. The wages, the payment of sin is death. But God says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so if you're here, and maybe there's a small part of you that's saying, what, what's, what gives me eternal life? What, like, Alex, I'm, I'm trying to, like, I want to settle this once and for all. I'm like, there's a lot of religions out there. There's a lot of faiths. There's a lot of people saying a lot of things. What's the, if there's one thing I need to know, what's the one thing? Here's what I would say. Jesus came. He died for you. He rose from the grave so he can have a relationship with you. 
It's not so that you can, you know, give your money to the church. It's not so that you can serve. It's not so that you can have this, all of these to-dos that you check, check, all of these boxes, check, check, check. Now, it'd be easy. It'd be very tempting for me to say those things. But I, 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 want, I want to make sure that we major on the majors, minor on the minors. Jesus came because he wants to have a relationship with you. Hope can be so close, and yet we can miss it. Look at the next verse. I'm not making this up. But the other criminal, so there's two, right? The other criminal rebuked him. So you have one criminal. <laughs> I thought this was funny. Well, you got one thief rebuking another thief, all right? Talk about ultimate hypocrite, right? Don't we do that at times? We're all a little bit hypocrite, right? We tell others what to do, and oftentimes we got our own junk, right? So one criminal getting on the other criminal's case, and he says, don't you fear God? I mean, how could it be? Look at where we are, right? Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence. Now, I, I don't know this for a fact, and the Bible doesn't say, but I wonder if this guy had actually came across, like, I wonder if he came across Jesus at some point while he was alive. You know, I wonder if at some point he saw some of the miracles. I wonder if at some point he heard some of the messages. And he knew, man, this guy, Jesus, he's special. There's something different. And now he's on a cross, and like, like something's changed in his heart, or something's about to change. And like many of us, we hear the message, but it doesn't translate to our hearts. We hear the word, we hear the, the message of the gospel, but it just, we just keep kind of being the master of our faith. And I wonder, I, I don't know, I think something changes for sure here. Verse 41, he says, we are punished justly. In other words, we deserve what we've, you know, we're here for a reason, okay? We're, we're getting what our deeds deserve, he says. But this man in the middle, Jesus, he's done nothing wrong so he knows that there is something special and then he says this just powerful prayer and i love it because it's not a religious prayer it's not i don't even know if it's like theologically correct i don't know that it's got all the the formula of, you know with your abcs you know you admit you believe you confess you know what they teach you in church he just says a prayer from his heart and it just, it is a simple prayer. It, I think it's a, the words that he utters, the plead to Jesus, it's, it's something that I, I wish we would almost take and make it our own. I almost wish we'd just steal this little prayer and, and just, like when you're going through, when you find that you're bearing your own cross and you're going through a, a, a season of anxiety, stress, you're dealing with health issues, you're dealing with finances, you're dealing with the, 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 the craziness of life, I wish you would say what this thief said. It's a simple prayer. We can all steal the prayer, so to speak. And I want, you to, I want you to see it. It's exciting when God answers this kind of prayer. It builds your faith. Now, keep in mind, this guy's a thief. He's on a cross. He's suffering. Every breath counts. He's, it is excruciating pain. Anytime you speak, you have to breathe. Okay? And so the words that he's about to say, they matter. And he says this. Don't miss it. Verse 42. Then he said, he looks to Jesus, and he says this. Jesus 
If that's all you can say in your moment of desperation, I want you to know that's enough. Sometimes all you can utter, like, pray, I can't pray. Sometimes all you can do is say, Jesus. I want you to know that's enough. You didn't die on a cross. He did. It's his work on a cross that covers you. It says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I love that prayer. Just remember me, God. And in that moment, something changed. In that moment, it wasn't a religious act. It wasn't attending church, and I applaud you for being here. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that you're here. Come back. Okay, build your faith. But in that moment, it wasn't the checklist. It wasn't getting 100. It wasn't on the, on the test. It wasn't any of, oh, my good outweighs my bad. No, there's no way. It was too late for him. He was on a cross. But in that moment, he just uttered a simple prayer. It says, Jesus, remember me. And then Jesus does what only he can do. He addresses his request, his most needed plead. Verse 43. Remember, this thief doesn't deserve a thing, but watch the heart of Jesus, okay? Don't miss this. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I love that. Today you'll be with me in paradise. It amazes me how close you can be to hope and miss it. Number two, and we're done. I'm going to ask our band if you guys get ready. Number two, how close you can be, how close disappointment can be to blessing. It amazes me how close your disappointment can be to his blessings if you don't give up. It blows me away that sometimes when we are about to throw in the towel because of our disappointments, if we would just hold out a little bit longer, if we would just wait a little bit more, if we would just not give up, we could see that the blessing is right there, right around the corner. Now, the, the crazy thing is that this guy is a thief, right, on a cross. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. These are extremes, right? Right? You have the thief on a cross who's in just a moment, he's going to become a son of God in paradise. You have the pain of the cross. You have the joy of eternal life. And so these are extremes. But in our lives, often our disappointments are right next to his greatest blessings. And our goal is to not give up. Our, our goal is to take the next step and then take the next step. And then you're like, I can't, I'm, I'm, I don't have it in me, Lord. You know where I've been. You know my past. You know the difficulties. I don't have it. I don't have any more strength. I can't even say Jesus anymore, you know. And why? And, and, you, and, you, and you get upset, right? And he's blessing. It's just right around the corner if you, wouldn't, if you wouldn't give up. And when you look at it from the perspective of the thief, Jesus said today to the thief, and he says today to you. He says today, if you hear my voice, and maybe God's saying something to you that I'm not even preaching about. That's how his spirit works sometimes. But if today you hear his voice, 
It says, don't harden your hearts like the Israelites did when they rebelled. And I don't know what, the, what message, I know what message I'm preaching. I don't know what message God's given you. Often it's, it's different things because that's the beauty of how God speaks to us individually. We're all uniquely made in his image. And so he talks to us that way. Maybe, maybe what God is saying to you today is, man, next week we have baptisms. You need to sign up. Oh, you, grab your phone right now. LifePointFC.com. It'll take you 30 seconds. And you feel like, I gotta, I, I've been running away from you, Lord. And it is it. This is what you're telling me. I got to put on the Jesus jersey. Maybe what God is saying is you need to look, support the local church. And that's your tithe, that's your time. It's not one or the other, it's both. It's not, oh, yeah, I just give my time to the Lord. No, God wants your first of what he's provided for you. He says, give me your first and watch what I'll do. Maybe what God is saying to you today is you need to forgive. You've, you're holding on to bitterness. You need to write a letter. You need to make a phone call. You need to go see that person. You need, it's poison in your heart and it's, it's spreading all over and it's killing you. It's a slow death. I don't know what God is telling you today. What I do know is that if, if you listen and you don't heart, harden your heart, the blessing comes. It amazes me how close our disappointments are to his blessings if we don't give up. Look at it from their perspective. That thief goes from being a thief to being the son of God, right? Crazy. Look at it from the disciples' perspective. Jesus' disciples, they went through the darkest day in human history. This was not just a random person. This was their, their hero on that cross, their leader. They walked with him. They've seen the miracles. They, they joked with him. They went on hikes with him. And so their Savior is on a cross. Worst moment in history. Look at it from Mary, Mary's perspective. Her son on a cross between two thieves. Excruciating pain. Most of the disciples, they, the Bible tells us that they fled. Except for John. Worst day in their lives. But within two, within 72 hours, the brightest day would shine. It wasn't, it wasn't three decades later. It wasn't three years later. No, within 72 hours, history would see the greatest day. Jesus conquered death. So what are we celebrating today? We're, we're celebrating a Savior who's alive who loves you, and you're only a prayer away from hope. You're only a prayer away from the Savior. Right now, you may be going through the worst time in your life, greatest disappointment. This may be your crucifixion Friday. I hope my prayer this whole week is that you would not give up, that you would not throw in the towel, you got a pulse, he's got a purpose. Don't throw in the towel. He wants to use you. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed,
Actually, I want to say this. Look, look up this way. I tricked you. Sorry. I, in a room this size, people following us online, I just, I don't know who's listening, but I, I figure I need to say this. I want you for just three minutes, give me three minutes, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here in a second. I want you to look at Jesus objectively. If you're a Jesus follower, pretend that you're not for a moment, okay? If you don't believe in him, if you have questions, cool, even better. Just look at Jesus just as a human being. He was born... A little bit over 2,000 years ago in a small town, unimportant place nobody had ever heard of, from. Never traveled more than 200 miles from his hometown. He never, you know, he lived a simple life. He, was, he never became a parent. He, he was never a dad, never married. He never ran for political office. He was um, never in charge of an organization. He was never, never made a whole lot of money. Like, if you look at Jesus just from a, just a human point of view, just a simple guy, right? Just humble guy. We don't know a whole lot about his f the first 30 years of his life. I mean, we got a few verses about his birth. A chapter or two, you know. We know that he went to the temple when he was 12. But we really don't know a lot about those, those, the first 30 years. The last three years of his life, we know that he goes teaching and that's where we get most of the scripture that we see in the gospels we see the miracles we see that he travels he teaches he was a, a carpenter kind of a blue color and yet he left he, he left the, the greatest legacy in the history of the world whether you're a jesus follower or not today there are over two billion people worshiping him today so just like we there's celebrating easter and so if you look at him just as a man how in the world do you do that? How do you get to that place? Humble beginnings. Nobody knows anything about him. Three years of teaching, preaching. Dies on a cross. And then, 2,000 plus years, 2 billion plus people are worshiping his, his name. I'll tell you how. He left the largest legacy in the history of the world because everything that he came in contact with he transformed everything that he came in contact with he changed radically changed you take the symbol of the cross right a symbol of punishment and death pain changed it like I'm, I haven't seen ever somebody wear a necklace with an electric chair right like people don't do that right Right? An electric chair, symbol of, of punishment, death, pain. Jesus takes a symbol of the cross, changed it, transformed it. And now you see people, they decorate their homes with crosses. They'll tattoo. I think, I think Ignacio has a, a cross. There you go. It is finished. I love that. I love that. It is finished. And that's what he can do in your life. You feel like, man, you're like, there's no hope for me. Like, it's over. Listen, you're alive. We serve the God of the resurrection. And so I pray today that you would allow even just the smallest of doors for he 
for him to come and change you just like he changed the symbol of the cross. I pray that you would allow him to change your life. I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment and just simple, simple prayer, simple question, excuse me. Is your faith in the right place? Ask yourself that question. I'm not talking about religion. I don't care if you join this church. I don't care if you ever give a dime to, to LifePoint. I mean, I do care if you serve and you love the Lord. But in the big scheme of, of things, I want, I want you to understand that this is about a relationship with your Creator. And that He loves you. And He left it all on the cross for you. And if you were the only one alive today... He would have come just for you with the baggage, with the thought patterns that you have, with the junk that nobody knows about. He came for you. And so if you let him, if you let him, he'll come in and he'll make your life a better place. So let me ask you, is your faith, is, is your faith in the right place? I know that in the past, I have put my faith in things that can be taken away. Sometimes I put my faith in money. Money, phew, it goes, man. It flies quick. There's times when I put my faith in people. And the sad thing is that sometimes people will betray you. And as sad as it may be, it's hurtful. What I want you to do is to put your faith in something that cannot be taken away from you. Don't put your faith in your career. Don't put your faith in your profession, your job, the people, even the people that love you today. You put your faith in money. You put your faith in those things. It can be taken away from you. Here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to put your faith in the one who loves you and the love that can never be taken away from any of us. Bible says Bible says and if the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you then God will also give you abundant life and so I wonder how many of you here would say pastor would you pray for me I'm ready to step over the line of faith it's been a while and the truth is I've been I've been faking people I've been faking myself I've been kind of or maybe you haven't maybe you've just been just going the wrong way and you're here today and you say you know what I want some of that grace on that cross would you pray for me I wonder if there's anybody like that in this room would you raise your hand I see your see your hand sir see your hand see your hand ma'am all over the room all over the room where is your faith you're a Christian every day I have to wake up and I have to put my faith in Christ anyone else I want to pray for you I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to ask you to come up front none of that just want to give you a, just one more. There you go. I see that hand. Anyone else? Bible says the heaven is throwing a party on your behalf today. Would you pray these words? In your heart, you can whisper them if you want. Something like this. doesn't have to be exactly. But just say something like this. Lord, today I accept my calling not to perfection or performance. God, my calling is to faith. I recognize, Father, that I've been chosen for this generation. I have a, I have a place in the heritage of faith. 
God, I'm going to stop wishing and whining, and I'm going to start believing and receiving what your word says. God, help me to realize how close hope can be to me and miss it. God, may I never be so close to you and then just miss it, God. God, help me realize that even in the worst of my disappointments, the blessing, God, can be right around the corner. You can change things in just a moment, just like the cross. Just like that thief goes from being a thief on a cross to moments being a son of God in eternity. Just like that, you can change things if it's your will. Just like those disciples, worst day in their life, and then three days later, best day in humanity, brightest day. And so, God, I just give you my heart. I confess my sins, God. I agree with you. Yeah, I'm a, I've made some mistakes. God, I just want you to come into my heart. Give me life. Renew my spirit, I pray. Just want to rededicate my life to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let's all stand up. Hey, let's put our hands together. Several people raised their hands. Let's all get up. Give it up for those who raised their hands.